So this morning I brought a box along. I brought a couple other things. They're kind of off on the side here. I'll get to those a bit later. I did actually bring my Trader Joe's bag back. That's later on in the message here. But I have enjoyed some of you who have brought various things by my office or sent me a message and said, hey, check this out. Um, Thomas Rhett is a country musician. He just recently released a song called Be a Light. Isn't that fitting? Like he, he actually just released it at the end of March. So it's, it's brand new. And if you enjoy Christian music, Chris Tomlin actually sings background vocals on this as well as some others. But um, I listened to that. I had someone send that from our church body, sent that to me, and uh, it was really fitting. I really enjoyed it. You might enjoy checking that out. Thomas Rhett, Be a Light. And someone else said, hey, remember Newsboys? Shine. Back in, I think, 1993. Shine. Make them wonder what you got. Make them wish that they were not on the outside looking for. I remember that, that song very well. And some of you are thinking about that right now in the midst of this theme, Shine. And then one of you sent a picture of your breakfast food. It was actually the cereal box that you had that morning. And it, on, on the front of your cereal box, it said, rise, eat, shine, repeat. <laughs> That's awesome. And your, your message to me was, even my cereal is reminding me to shine. I love that. Well, then one of you came by this last week and dropped this off. Let's find out what's in here. I already know. You don't know. <clears throat> this was dropped off by one of the ladies in our church, and uh, it's another light. She said, here, you can have this one. You can add this to your collection. So there we go. I've got another light to add to my collection. And if you're curious, it also has a strobe. So we, we can add that, okay? So as, as time goes on, maybe we'll be adding more lights to our collection here. Um, I'm going to put this back in the box, and I'm going to sneak this back here. See, I'm, I'm having to think rather differently because it's being recorded. And so I'm thinking about, well, what actually looks good? And that's why my Trader Joe's bag is off to the side. We're getting to that a bit later here. Well, um, I want us just to pray right now and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. I encourage you even right where you're at just to begin with a little bit of silence just to come before the Lord right now and speak to him. Pour your heart out to him and make yourself available to him this morning. Lord, we come. We know that we need you. I'm reminded of that, how much I need you. Lord, I'm also asking that you would speak to us right now. Speak to us from your word, which you've given to us. I pray that what I share right now would only be in agreement with what you have revealed. And Lord, I pray that it would be delivered by your spirit's power. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. My wife, when she was back in high school, she went on a ski trip. When you were back in high school, did you ever go on ski trips? This was a youth group ski trip. She had never gone skiing before. But she went on a ski trip, and um, she thought, oh, this is an opportunity. I don't think that she was using these words, but it was an opportunity to shine. So she decided to invite a friend of hers who had really never been to church, was not religious whatsoever, but was open to coming on a ski trip. So she asked his friend, would you like to go? This particular friend was actually really good at snow skiing. So they went snow skiing. She's not exactly sure which mountain they went to, but somewhere here in Oregon. And um, they went, the, the youth group, in order to save money, they went night skiing. So night skiing is like 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon until 9 o'clock at night. And um, Kelsey went and she was on the bunny hill. Do you know what the bunny hill is? That's like the beginner hill. Like that is the tamest hill you could possibly go on. You know, it's just, it's small, it's short, it's 
not very steep. It's meant for beginners. It's the place where you learn to begin to ski. And she spent almost her whole time on the bunny hill. That's what she was on. Well, towards the end of this evening, right before they were going to close the whole resort to the mountain down, her friend, who's a really good snow skier, came by. Hey, Kelsey, do you want to go up to the top with me? We'll take it down together. And Kelsey's thinking, ah, okay, why not? I mean, I'm here, and I came here to snow ski, and I may as well go up and take the lift up to the top. Now, I don't think it was really the top top, because usually the top top is closed down for night skiing. But there are some pretty high up places that you can go. Regardless, for Kelsey, it felt like this was to the top, okay? So they take the the chairlift up, and on their way up, the attendant at the chairlift said, by the way, this is your last run. No more. It's almost time to close. So they take the chairlift up, and, and as they're going, beginning to make their way down the mountain, Kelsey's really good, her, her friend, who is a really good snow skier, gave these checkpoints. Hey, I'll meet you at that crooked tree down there. I'll ski there and then I'll wait for you. So she did, sure enough. You know, her friend skis on down and then Kelsey just slowly, slowly gets there and finally makes it to her friend. And then, okay, you're doing okay. Next checkpoint. Okay, next checkpoint. Well, they did this a few times and eventually Kelsey's friend said, hey, Kelsey, you're doing great. I'll meet you at the lodge. I'll just meet you at the lodge. Keep in mind, Kelsey is still up in the mountain on a groomed snow trail with lights on. If you haven't been night skiing, you need to know that there are lights which help illuminate and and just like make it bright. That's that's good. Those lights are, are needed. But her friend takes off and Kelsey is thinking, okay, I think and I hope I can make it back to the lodge. Kelsey's never been up on the mountain. I mean, she's been on a mountain like in a car. She's never been on a mountain on skis. First time for this. And she's, she's up there and she doesn't know exactly what signage means. You know, she sees like certain slopes which have their names and certain colors which correlate to what they, what, like, what kind of hill they are. Beginner hill, intermediate hill, black diamond hill. Like, that's intense. Okay, that, and, and so she's like, ah, I hope I can get back to the lodge. Suddenly, the lights went out. No, really, suddenly the lights went out on the whole mountain. This wasn't just a, gotcha, they're back on. This was, the lights were killed, they're out. Pitch black, it's dark. And Kelsey is up on the mountain by herself. Uh, this, this was in the early 90s. I think that things have changed. They probably have policies galore on, hey, you got to go up and make sure that everyone's off the mountain. You know, the cousins of Osha would be up there saying, let's get all the people off, etc. This was the 90s and that didn't happen. No one came to make sure that everyone's off. It just, the lights were just all of a sudden off. And it was dark. And Kelsey longed for the light. What did she do? She cried. (laughs) I think that maybe I would have cried too, to be honest. She just started to cry. Like, I'm doomed. I'm stuck. What do I do? But she she started to think, I I can't just stay here. I got to do something. And so she turned herself sideways to the hill. And she just put one foot, one ski in front of the other. And she began to walk down one step at a time. Can you believe that? One step at a time. Now, she finally got down to the lodge. You know that she eventually made it down to the lodge because she was just here a bit ago making announcements. We, we know that she made it through. She got back to the lodge and, and her friends, the, the youth group, they were all outside the lodge, gathered together. Kelsey! Come! We're supposed to go! And I think that Kelsey would have been thinking, I know! I was stuck! Someone just left me up here in pitch black and they turned the lights out! 
Ah, the light. We need the light. You need the light. I need the light. I don't think that we know how much we need the light until we're stuck in the dark. It's true. Man, we, we appreciate daylight, and we just know it's going to come. And we know that night is going to come. There's going to be darkness. But we also figure that there's going to be lights that we can turn on. But if we lose the power, all of a sudden we're in the dark and it matters. We need the light. The passage of scripture that Seth read, and by the way, it was one that he chose. I said, Seth, I want you just to pick a passage. Like I told Alyssa last week, pick a passage. And, and you read that. And I love the passage that Seth read this morning. It's a reminder that we, as followers of Jesus, are light. We are intended to shine. This morning, I want to remind you that light is important. In our culture, light is important. Our presence as believers is important. I don't expect the unbeliever to get this. But I expect the believer to get this one. The light is important. You and I are important. It is important that we shine, that our light shines from within us. But this morning, I want you to think about this with me and answer this question. What keeps you and me from shining? What hindrances are there that keeps us from shining? Now, there, there is a slide here I, I'm going to put up for you, but I want you to think about this. This is kind of where I'm going, the trajectory of where I'm going, SHINE. I, I'm using the word SHINE as an acronym. Last week, if you, were, if you joined with us, SHINE, it reminds us of source. If we're going to SHINE, we need to identify the source. God is the source. And he is the one that enables you and me to shine. He's the source. We looked at that, S, source. But this morning, I want you to think with me about H, hindrances. What are the hindrances which get in our way and keep us from shining? Can you identify them? And this morning, I encourage you to just allow... God's Spirit to speak to you, allow Scripture to speak to you. Um, And the things that I share with you, I encourage you to allow your mind to wrestle with and, and, and be honest with yourself and ask yourself, are these hindrances that actually keep me from shining? So this morning, I encourage you, if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And I want us to look at this passage of Scripture. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. I'm not going to look at these verses in depth, um, but I I want us to kind of catch the heart of these, these words here. They are written, the human author was John. They are written to, do you notice if your Bible's already turned there, to the church in Ephesus. Sound familiar? We just looked at, two weeks ago, we we wrapped up the book of Ephesians. A book which was written to believers in the Ephesus area. That book was written by the Apostle Paul. This is by Apostle John. And it, it was divided by about 43 years, meaning that Ephesians was written about 43 years earlier. Okay? But... Same, same body. Um, I, I know there would have been people who had died, but same church family. And 43 years later, addressing them, okay? So listen to these words here. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. And I know that that's interesting, the angel. I'm not going to, to really get bogged down by this. Uh, angel, it, it is the word angel, 
um, the Greek word for angel. But as, as this Greek word is used in scripture, it can be angel more often than not, or it can be messenger slash preacher. Okay, I'm not going to say yay or nay which way it is. Um, but but don't, don't get bogged down on that. Angel, is there an angel every, over every church? There could be. God could do that. Why not, right? Um, listen, though, to the message, and this is what I want you to catch. These are the words of him who holds seven stars in his right hand, walks among the seven golden lampstands. Hear this. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet, yet, hear this. Verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I want you to think about these, these, um, these verses here just a bit with me. Don't miss the point here. So there, there is this affirmation. You are doing this well. This is, this is good. Listen to the resume of what they're doing well. He said, um, look, I, I notice your good deeds. You have good deeds. He says, John's, or, uh, the angel is saying, I notice that you are hard workers. You've got this going for you. This is good. You are persevering. This is good. You hold the sound teaching. This is good. You have identified sound teaching and you hold fast to it. Good job. There's this applause. This is good. And um, he says, you have tested people who claim to have a message from the Lord. But you're not going to give ear to people who are false prophets. You're not going to listen. You are identifying you're, you're filtering whether someone, anyone can claim anything, but you're actually filtering this. Are they actually a voice from God or not? And you are enduring, enduring hardship. This is good. They are commended for this, but there's a problem. You heard it, right? There is this problem. What was the problem? Yeah, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your first love. Who is the first love? It's Jesus. Jesus is the first love. Now, I want you to catch a verse here. I've already read it, but I want to draw attention to it again. Um, it's, it is in the second half of verse 5. It says this, if you do not repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place. I will remove your lampstand from its place. I will remove the spiritual impact that you were designed to have on other people. I will remove that. Believers, in this case, in Ephesus, I will remove your spiritual impact among those among your culture. And remember, the Ephesian culture was, it was a godless culture. It was God-filled in the sense that there were many small liturgy gods that they were following, but it wasn't the one true God. 
If you don't repent, I am going to remove your spiritual impact. The light that is intended to shine. Kingwood Bible Church. I long that these words would never be said of us. May these words never be said of us. But if they are, hear this, repent. If we don't repent, if we have forsaken our first love, and if we do not repent, what happens? The light that is intended to shine on other people in darkness will be stripped away from us. Our spiritual impact on our community and on our families will fade. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to me. This morning, I want to answer this question, which corresponds to hindrances. What hindrances are there which keep us from shining? What is getting in the way of us shining as God intends for us to shine? This morning, I'm going to share five things. Could there be more? Absolutely. These are five things that I want to share with you this morning that as I've given thought this last week, I believe these things can keep us, they prohibit us from shining. What are they? The very first is this. Number one, we focus on non-essentials over essentials. We focus on things that are non-essential Think with me about a variety of non-essentials that we can give our time to. Things which might be important, but they are not the most important. I think of academics right away. The, The pursuit of education. We can make this so important I long to just be smart because it really makes me feel better. It kind of feeds my ego. I want knowledge. And and we capitalize on that. It's all about knowledge. It's all about intellect. It's all about growing in academia. If that's po- it's possible that we have pursued this at the expense of our first love, Jesus. Or perhaps, perhaps you say, oh man, no way, it's not, it's not academics. Maybe it's sports. It could be sports. We, we make sports our God. We, we pour countless hours into athletics, making ourselves a better athlete. And, and that becomes almost our idol. This last week I was talking, well, my wife and I were talking with a young man um, who attends our church. And we know that he's a sports fanatic. And so uh, Kelsey actually is the one that asked him, how are you doing in the midst of all of this? Are you doing okay? And, and I just loved his answer. I was really intrigued by his answer. He said, you know, I was really afraid about this. In the very first days, I was kind of going through withdrawal. He didn't use that word, but I think that's what he was conveying. Like at first, the very first few days, it was kind of hard. He's like, and now you know what? I'm totally fine with it. It's just fine. I'm doing okay. Yeah, I can't watch uh, NBA basketball, but I'm doing okay. Academics, sports, what else? Uh, I think that other non-essentials that we, things that we make essential could be our bank account. We, We put so much stock in that, the stock market. We, we put emphasis on vacationing. We say, that's what it's all about. I, I live for that. I live for the success, financial success. I live for uh, just incredible vacations. That's what I'm living for. We, we kind of sacrifice our relationship with the Lord for following the American dream, the pursuit of the American dream, whatever that is. American dream is today. Perhaps we have become consumed by that. Or maybe 
Maybe the non-essentials are we spend more time consumed by what is happening in the news. We go political. We, we care far more about whether something is red or blue, Republican or Democrat. We get fired up about that. That's what we care about. And we get charged by that. Man, if we would take that same enthusiasm to the gospel, woo, that would be good. We, we, as believers, sometimes we care far more about politics or even for us as believers in the area of doctrine. We can care more about doctrinal issues that I believe are secondary. They are things that, yes, Scripture teaches on them, but they are not the most important things. And we can care so much about that. We, 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 we squabble over things. We get divisive with each other. I'm reminded of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, where we are told, don't get hung up on false doctrine, myths, or endless genealogies. These are the things that become controversial. Don't get hung up on that. But maybe we have become hung up on things that are non-essential. Now, before we move on, hang on with me just a moment. I want you to think back through these things I just mentioned. Sports and academics, are they important? Absolutely. I mean, what a privilege we have to be able, if God gives us a body that is able to be athletic, praise God for that. If we're able to move, praise God for that. If God gives us a mind that is able to think and reason, praise God for that. But that is not the end all. We have to be careful that we don't make that the end all, that we make that the essential thing. If we do, we are forsaking our first love. Or think about vacationing or a bank account. Is it, is it wrong to invest or want to go on a nice vacation? Absolutely not. I think that it's wise for us to do the best we can to invest wisely with, uh, to be a good steward of what God is giving us. But again, it is not the end all. Or in the area of going political, I think that believers, many believers can get, this is my opinion, I think many of us can get overly political. I think we can get too political. But guess what? Here's the flip side. I think that as believers, we can get underly political, if that's a word. We can, we can go under political, meaning we can say, well, I just don't even care then because it doesn't matter. No, it matters. And I, I'm asking you, where are you at in this balance? I think if, if, our, if, our, if we tend to say, well, that just gets offensive, so I'm just not going to go there. I think that we end up standing for nothing. The, the gospel is offensive. The gospel is going to be offensive. I'm not trying to make the gospel offensive. I'm just saying what God has said in his word is going to be offensive. And I don't want to go political necessarily. You can imagine for me as a pastor, I am scared about 2020. What's coming up here? I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. You know, as a pastor, as your pastor, my desire is to proclaim the truth and allow you to use your mind that God gives you and the spirit that he has given you. You are a grown-up, and I am going to not go political on you. I am going to preach the truth of God and then trust that you are going to vote as God directs you based in Scripture, the best of your ability. But again, I think that we can get overly political and I think we can get underly political. These things I mentioned, all these things I mentioned here, under non-essentials, they can be good and they can be healthy in their place. They need to be in their place. But these are things, and there are other things we could add to the list, aren't there? These are things that can take our focus off. Our first love. 
Jesus. He is our first love. And when our focus is taken off of Jesus, our first love, here's what I'm telling you. We stop shining. When our focus is taken off of Jesus, we do not shine as we were intended to shine. I got to move on. What other hindrances are there? Remember I said there's five. I'm spending the most time on number one. Number two, we neglect the conviction of sin. The second, we neglect the conviction of sin. Consider with me this morning how the sin of anger keeps us from shining. Who wants to follow a believer who loses their cool, who has fits of rage, who throws a temper tantrum when they don't get their way and acts like a two-year-old? That is not shining. That's sin. That needs to be addressed. That needs to be recognized. When the Spirit of God convicts us, we need to listen to that. Or consider the sin of resisting authority. If we resist authority, how does this keep us shining? I believe this dims our light. Authority as in national State authority. We submit ourselves to that. We are called to. Scripture is clear that we are called to submit ourselves to national and state authority. I believe the only time that we don't is if national or state authority is going contrary to God's word. I haven't seen that happen yet. So we are called to submit ourselves to the authority. There are other types of authority. God has placed authority in the church. God has placed authority in the workplace. God has placed authority in the home. If we get careless about this authority, I believe this prohibits us from shining as God intends us to shine. There are a number of other areas of sin that God could, could, could convict us about. I can't help but think about other sins which we might think are rather secretive, like the sin of pornography, where we say, well, no one knows it, it is my own secretive sin. But you know what? Secretive sin has a way of eating at us. It's cancerous. It eats away at us. And it causes us to resist the Spirit of God and quit listening to His voice. We try to rationalize our way around things. And guess what? In the end, this impacts other people, whether it be family, church family, my work, my community. Sin impacts other people. It doesn't just impact us. So here, here's the thing. When the Spirit of God convicts us, we need to listen. I am not here to tell you how the Spirit of God is convicting you. Nor are you here to tell me how the Spirit of God is convicting me. We must be honest with ourselves and listen to his voice because guaranteed he is speaking. We just need to listen to his voice. And when he convicts us of sin, we repent. If we don't, this becomes a roadblock. This becomes a hindrance. Number three, we just don't care. I just don't care. It's apathy. I am done caring. I, I, I think that this, this takes place um, maybe for us who have been believers for a long time. Um, we, we are perhaps believers in name only. Well, it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural identity. Um, it's just easy for me to be a Christian. I've always been a Christian. I think I'm just a Christian. Uh, my family heritage is, we're all Christians. So it's just, yeah, I'm going to be a Christian. But man, it sure bugs me when people take their faith so seriously. That's apathy. That is like, that is like the, the sure thing, which will sure sign on, how do you know if you're growing in apathy? 
right there, that last statement. It sure bugs me when people take their faith so seriously. That's the dead giveaway that you are beginning to succumb to a spirit of apathy. Again, apathy is something that I believe we all face as believers. And I believe that the longer that we follow Jesus, the more we have to guard against this. Why? Because I know my walk. I know scripture. And I have to guard that this doesn't just become second nature, that I'm just doing this in a, a habit form, but that I actually love the Lord Jesus. Like a relationship between a husband and a wife. The longer we are in relationship with the Lord Jesus, the more our relationship can grow apart. Have you, have you gone out to eat like me and my wife have before? And we'll sit down and we'll see an older couple at another table and they never speak a word to each other. My, my wife and I have seen that a number of times. Um, there's two sides of that. When my, when my wife and I first got married, we would see that and we said, how sad. You know, because we're the ones who are, it's all young love. Romance is high. Oh, may we never become like that, you know? And, and then a few years ago, my wife and I said, well, maybe they're just so comfortable with each other that they don't have to talk to each other. They can just go for breakfast and sit down and they've already said it all. You know, that, that could be. Um, I, I've seen some husbands who hold the newspaper over breakfast at like a restaurant and never say a word. That honestly kind of bothers me. You know, like, hey, sir, your wife is right across the table. Talk to her. Talk to her. I think our relationship with the Lord, the longer that we're in a relationship with him, the more we can grow in apathy. But guess what? I also believe the vice versa is true. Well, maybe not vice versa. The other principle is true here. The longer that we are in relationship with the Lord, the deeper we can walk with him. Just like a, a couple who has been married for 50 or 60 years, I think of some people in our church family where they've been married for many years and I see a bond that, quite frankly, my wife and I don't have yet. We don't have it yet because we have not been bonded as long as they have been. And guess what? The more we stay committed to the Lord Jesus, the deeper our relationship with him can, can go and grow. I long for that. What keeps us from shining? Apathy. A spirit which says, I just don't care. May that not be me and may it not be you. Number four, we grow obsessed with self. What keeps me from shining? We grow obsessed with ourself. This one, this can hit home. I think that, um, that we tend to think about only what is best for me. I don't think about other people. I don't think about others in my family. I don't think about others in my church family. I think about what is best for Nate and Nate alone. I get enamored by how I sound, how I look, how others perceive me. This, it becomes a show. Shame on me when that happens. This should not be. I, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just going to be really honest with you. Pastors have been presented with a whole different ball game. We are having to watch ourselves on camera. We never had to do this before. I don't like it. We are having to watch ourselves and we're having to think about how do I look and how do I sound and how am I being perceived? That's carnal. It's just flat out carnal. I'm just going to call it for what it is. And it's not just pastors who deal with this. It's all of us who deal with this. It's people who are posting pictures of themselves all the time on Facebook. It's people who go to the gym and work out and say, I got to let people know what I'm doing because it matters, because I matter, and I want everyone else to know. We got to be careful. We got to be careful there. Do we? And I, and I have to be careful too. If you're one of those people and you're always posting pictures of yourself, I'm not trying to call you out. That's not my job. You might be totally fine to do that. 
Let you allow the Spirit of God to test your heart and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing what I am doing? Have I become so enamored with me that I am forgetting about other people? If so, I'm telling you flat out, this is keeping you and me from shining. A dark world is not going to be attracted to someone who is enamored with themselves. Five, we pull back from, what other, from others and keep to ourselves. We, what keeps us from shining? What is a hindrance? We pull back from others and we simply keep to ourselves. I recognize in saying this that there are, there are extroverts and there are introverts. And many of us are a combination of both to varying degrees. Most of us are, have bits and pieces of both. I am not trying to tweak a person's personality. If someone is strongly introverted, they're like, I really charge myself, get charged by being by myself. Totally fine. I'm not trying to make you feel really guilty here. But I am saying this, even the introvert is made and designed for other people. We are designed for other people. Remember the song, This Little Light of Mine? I, I loved it. This last week I saw in the, the, the feed on Facebook next to the message. I, I loved it. One of our moms said, I'm teaching my boys this song right now. Man, that, that just like warmed my heart. I, I learned that song as a kid. And many of you watching probably learned that song. Remember the part? Hide it under a bushel. No! <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine all the time. It's been a while since I've sung that song. I think that's how it ends. The part I'm thinking about, though, is our light is not meant to be put under a bushel. That could be because of embarrassment. Man, I'm just quite, quite honestly embarrassed by the conviction I'm supposed to have because of this book right here, Scripture. I don't like this. This goes contrary to what a lot of culture is telling me. That could be, that's embarrassment. But you know what? That keeps me from shining. Another thing that keeps me from shining is simply hiding my light under a bushel by not being with other people. The light, Jesus said, is intended to be put on, I think the translation that Seth read from said, on a stool. It is designed to give light to the house. As a believer, you are called. You are called light. Jesus calls us light. There is one time in Scripture where we are called light. Beyond that, I believe that we are generally reflectors of light. But, but Jesus reminds us that you actually are light. You are to let your light shine. Now, don't hide it under a bushel. You have a purpose. Yes, the world is dark. You are the light. You are intended to bring light to the world. Our time is winding up here. I need to wrap up rather quickly. We're online, so I'm not quite as strapped by time. I will, for your sake, though, I want to try to move rather quickly. What is the, what, what is the solution here? What is the solution of these hindrances? So we've identified the, the hindrances, but what's the solution? I believe that part of the solution is recorded in verse 5. Did you catch it? Remember the height from which you have fallen. There, there's three parts here. The very first, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember what things were like when you first gave your heart to Jesus Remember the, the hunger that you had for the word of God. Re remember the excitement that you had to be a follower of Jesus. How the light went on. You were just like, this is incredible. I want to tell people. Remember. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Excuse me. Rem meaning... Remember how things were when you first got saved, when you first came to know Jesus as your Savior, when you first placed your faith in Jesus. The second part, we're told in this passage, 
It says, repent. So if, if I identify, hey, these are some hindrances, these are some things that are getting in the way of me shining, well, remember, but also repent. Repent of these things. Repent conveys the idea of this. Turn around. It's turn around. And in this case, I think it's, it's not just simply turn around. It's turn back. Turn back to what you used to do. Because we see that next, don't we? The third thing, it's return. Remember, repent, and return. Return and do the things that you did at first. Remember what you did when you first got saved. When, you, when there was just that new excitement, that joy of walking with Jesus. Now go back and do those things again. I'm going to grab Remember I said I have a Trader Joe's bag. Hang on one moment. Here it comes. I've got it over here. I've got a couple things in here this morning. One, a Bible. This was my Bible that I received. My parents gave it to me. It might even have a date in it. I don't know. Didn't even look at that. But um, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Anyways, I had this Bible back in middle school, junior high back then. And um, the summer between my seventh and eighth grade year, I spent time reading scripture. And when I think about going back returning and doing the things that, you, that I did at, at one time, that is the image that has for decades now been stuck in my mind. I remember as a pre-eighth grade student sitting in the living or family room. I always get them confused which one was which. I don't know. I don't know if any of us even knew. One of those rooms, I sat there in the morning in the sunlight. We had... French doors, you know what those are? They let a lot of light in. French doors, and I would sit on the floor reading scripture. Now, this is called a youth walk devotional Bible. It was really helpful for me, extremely helpful. I still need helpful things in my life. Um, this made a difference. And when I think about going back, that is exactly what I think about. Return. Go back. Repent. Do the things that I did at first. You. Do the things that you did at first. Ask God to give you a hunger for those things that you did at first. I have one more thing here. Well, one more thing to gather. It comes, um, there's three pieces to it. Hopefully you can kind of see this. There's a candle. Candle over here. Um, you know what this is? This is the unity candle that my wife and I had on our wedding day. See if we can get that. Go. There we go. I'm not sure how well you can see the light, but it's going there. This candle is set up in our bedroom. It is right above our bookshelf. And um, it serves as a visual reminder of the commitment that I made to my wife. Um, almost 21 years ago. Saying... I love you. I will always love you. I want to be committed to you. And she did the same to me. Um, it is healthy for me as a married man to go back and remember this day. It is healthy for me to go back and look at pictures of our wedding. It's healthy for me to go back. Uh, we, we have DVDs uh, recorded of our service. It's good for us to go back and relive those memories. Because we forget. Those, that's a hindrance. 
Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? I invite you this morning just to go back and remember the desire that you had which just burned for the Lord when you got saved. And if that has been fading, I'm not excusing it, but I'm saying, welcome to humanity. But we do not stay there. We identify the hindrances. We identify the hindrances which keep us from shining as God intends us to shine. We remember, we repent, and we return. If we choose not to do this, we are forsaking our first love. And then what happens? We're told that the candle is removed. I don't want your candle removed. You were made to shine. God designs you as a follower of Jesus to shine bright. Don't let the hindrances get in the way. Lord Jesus, I thank you this time that we have had together this morning. I thank you for those who are able to join us online. Lord, I am just asking that your spirit has been speaking in a way that I can't speak. And if there is conviction, may we not be hearers only, but may we listen to your voice and may we put into practice what you are calling of us today, that is to remember, that is to repent, and that is to return. Lord, help us. We need your help in this. And I trust there is this longing from within us to serve you in greater ways. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.